Today's episode is brought to you by Get Your Guide. Want to make your next trip unforgettable? There's an easy way to do that. Book a Get Your Guide travel experience. Whether you're into food, nature, culture, sports, immerse yourself in the things that you love on your next vacation. For example, you could check out the Sherlock Holmes tour in London. You could take a pasta making class in Rome, experience the San Diego whale and dolphin watching cruise, or go whitewater rafting in the Grand Canyon. They've got a night helicopter flight over Las Vegas, a New York City street art and graffiti tour. They've even got a Chicago river cruise and architecture tour. Uh, I have to stress that my family went on one of these uh, architecture boat tours of Chicago, and it's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, So, I mean, this is the kind of thing that you want to turn to get your guide for. Whatever you're into, you'll find an experience you love. Discover and book your next unforgettable travel experience at GetYourGuide.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hi, my name is Robert Lamb, and this is The Monster Fact, a short-form series from Stuff to Blow Your Mind, focusing in on mythical creatures, ideas, and monsters in time. I have a special omnibus episode for you this week once more, collecting four past episodes, this time regarding vampires. Up first, let's consider a possible Irish origin for Count Dracula. Count Dracula was Irish, or at least that's the case made by various historians and folklorists. Now certainly, to be sure, the 1897 novel Dracula places the character's origins firmly in Transylvania and famously draws on the legacy of historical 15th century Wallachian ruler Vlad the Impaler. But on the other hand, Dracula's author, Bram Stoker, was himself an Irishman. As pointed out by Celtic historian Bob Curran in Was Dracula an Irishman, published in the journal History Ireland in 2000, Stoker never visited Eastern Europe, but he certainly would have been exposed to various Irish legends of evil blood-drinking kings and chieftains, including tales of Irish vampire king Awartuck. As is often the case with such tales, the details of Our Tuck's evil varies from telling to telling. It may be more accurate to think of him as a tribal chieftain rather than a king. He would have reigned in the 5th or 6th century CE in the district of Glenullan in Northern Ireland. He is often described as a dwarf or as possessing a physical deformity that sets him apart from other men. 
He was also a powerful and evil wizard. So when life finally managed to kill him, undeath was the natural next step. Some accounts say that Awartek fell to his death while jealously creeping about the ledges of his castle's towers, trying to spy on his own wife. In other accounts, his people were so terrified of the chieftain's evil that they convinced or hired a rival chieftain, Kathan, to assassinate him. Either way, once dead, his people buried Awartuk upright in his grave, as was befitting a man of his rank. But you know what happened next. Awartuk returned from the grave, and with a thirst for blood, he demanded his people bleed for him, filling a great drinking bowl. Horrified by his return, Awartuk's people had him murdered or re-murdered, depending on the telling, by a hero, rival, or assassin. They buried him, and once more he returned for blood. This cycle repeated itself. And finally, the would-be slayer consulted with a local druid or priest and learned the secret of what must be done to keep Awartuk dead. First, skewer the undead creature's heart with a yew-wood sword. Then bury them upside down in the grave, head toward hell, and cap the grave with thorns, ash twigs, and a great stone. And so it was done. But if the stone were ever removed, we are told, this blood-drinking dwarf more than a millennium dead would once more rise to quench his evil thirst. As Quran explains in his article, there are other tales of Irish vampires, and several standout tales involve blood-drinking nobles. Uniquely Irish spins on the global vampire myth often entail the mixture of blood and oats, a reference to famine-era recipes, as well as traditional Celtic venerations of the dead. These various tales would have likely been known to Bram Stoker, infusing his iconic vampire lord with Irish traditions of the undead. Even the name Dracula calls to mind the Irish word Dracola, which means bad or tainted blood. Now let's turn to the world of video games and one of the more popular vampires to emerge from that realm in recent years. In the 2021 Capcom survival horror video game Resident Evil Village, the character Ethan Winters finds himself beset by werewolves, vampires, and other creatures of darkness in an unnamed Eastern European rural location. The titular village is governed by four lords, but the most impressive of these strange rulers is Lady Dimitrescu of Castle Dimitrescu. Her lordship might otherwise be mistaken for any other gothic femme fatale figure, resplendent with classic vampiric qualities and a stylish ensemble. But she also stands well over nine feet tall and is forced to duck as she moves through doorways in her otherwise high-ceilinged castle. While she often employs brute giant strength in dispatching her enemies, she can also manifest scimitar-like claws to cut them limb from limb. She is arrogant and vain, but also highly protective of her three vampiric daughters. The character has proven highly popular, quickly joining the likes of Pyramid Head and Nemesis in the pantheon of great, memorable horror video game monsters. 
In dissecting the influences that brought this character together, we of course have to give a proper nod to both Dracula and Countess Elizabeth Bathory. But many commentators have also pointed to the modern Japanese yuri or yokai known as Miss Eight-Foot-Tall, or Hasaku-sama, who is depicted in a wide-brimmed hat, much like the Lady Dimitrescu. According to Heike Isohani in a 2018 thesis paper titled Mythology Marches to Modernity, Yokai in Contemporary Japan, this spirit seems to have originated in a Japanese internet forum in 2008. However, the author stresses that Hasaku-sama's origins might actually extend back much further uh, to an older yokai named Takaona, literally tall woman, briefly mentioned in the Illustrated Night Parade of a Hundred Demons, published in 1776. However, the idea of a fearsome giantess is far older than any of these examples. Some variations of the Irish and Scottish winter hag and deity uh, Kiligak are described as a giantess, and she is credited with kidnapping the spirit of summer. Other legendary hags are also given giant proportions from time to time, including the Baba Yaga. There's also Zunu Kwa of the Kwakutl people of British Columbia, who hunts the children of man. Multiple giantesses of varying temperaments can be found in Norse mythology, and these are often described as beautiful to behold. And in Hindu traditions, the demon giantess Putana attempts to kill the infant Krishna by taking on a human appearance and breastfeeding him poisoned milk. Baby Krishna, however, turns the tables on the demon by draining her of all her milk and her life essence. Suffice to say, Lady Dimitrescu is but the latest in a long line of intriguing fictional giantesses employed to express varying ideas about feminine power. Her ancestors run the gamut of hags, demons, heroes, and goddesses. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now let us consider a vampire from Chinese folklore, the Jiangxi. Imagine yourself out on the road, so frustratingly close to the walls of the city you've been traveling to, and yet night is falling, the mist is rolling in, and then up ahead you see several figures in the gloom. Fellow travelers? A patrol of guards from the city? You entertain the possibility that they are bandits, and then they do something quite unnatural. They hop, like a creature whose legs are bound or stiff with rigor mortis, or perhaps even forgetful of proper bipedal locomotion and forced to lunge itself forward through physical space like a great writhing worm. The creatures hop and hop again, ever closer to you, and as they get closer, you see that they are undead horrors, dressed in robes from the Qing dynasty, decayed corpses burning with unnatural life. As they hop, they reach out towards you with elongated fingernails. They gasp with bloody fang-toothed jaws, and if they catch you, they will drain every last ounce of precious chi from your body. In some ways relatable to Western concepts of the zombie and the vampire, this is the Jiangxi. And while Chinese mythology and folklore is filled with various ghosts and monsters, this particular horror seems to emerge from a Qing dynasty crisis concerning the burial of the dead. According to The Afterlife of Corpses, A Social History of Unburied Dead Bodies in Qing China, 1644-1911, through 1911, by historian Zhou He Su, numerous records from the 18th and 19th century discuss the problem of unburied bodies left upon the ground without proper burial. These were not exclusively the victims of war, famine, or disaster either. They were seemingly, for the most part, individuals who simply had no permanent grave. This, Sue writes, was due to changing socioeconomic structure and the resulting imbalance between population and arable land. A family would need to secure claim to the land in order to bury deceased loved ones. If a grave could not be obtained, they were left out and often abandoned or lost. While Jiangnan was the region most impacted by this, it became an empire-wide crisis because it wasn't just about the dead but a perceived cultural decline in funeral custom and even devotion to one's ancestors. While solutions finally emerged, such as public cemeteries and coffin homes, the specter of the Zhangxi remained in the Chinese imagination, a specter of the abandoned and vengeful dead. These beliefs, along with other records, Sue writes, quote, demonstrate unburied dead bodies as highly abnormal and deeply problematic, representing a dysfunctional aspect of popular death custom. 
Zhang Shi famously play a role in an entire subgenre of Chinese supernatural horror and comedy films, including 1985's Mr. Vampire, which we watched on Weird House Cinema last year. They're also now featured in Dungeons and Dragons, listed in 2021's Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft as a challenged level 9 monster, capable of changing shape and, of course, draining the energy of its victims. While sometimes played for comedy, there is a deep and unnatural horror to the Zhang Shi, and it absolutely demands a place in your nightmares and at your gaming table. Finally, let's discuss a particular vampire from the world of Doom and Stoner Rock. The 2007 track, The Satanic Rites of Drugula by Electric Wizard, paints exactly the sort of picture you might expect from this horror-obsessed doom metal and stoner rock mainstay. While the vampires of old thirsted only for human blood, the lyrics to this song speak of, quote, dope-laced blood that has only served to introduce the vampiric hordes and its dark prince to new highs. Now, we are not here to question the wisdom of these lyrics, but we might well wonder how this dark tale of dope smoke matches up to the realities of the natural world. Now, historically, the concept of blood-drinking monsters being in any way drawn to cannabis is interesting, in part because of cannabis's historical associations with the treatment and prevention of parasites. In the Medical Use of Cannabis Among the Greeks and Romans by James L. Butrika, the author points to Greek writings in which cannabis seeds were prescribed in the treatment of tapeworms. Interestingly enough, 5th century CE Greek physician Aetius described the use of cannabis seeds as a means of drying up the semen and preventing nocturnal emissions as well. Butrika also writes that in ancient Greek work, on farming, a test to the use of cannabis is a deterrent to blood-drinking mosquitoes. By spreading cannabis below your bed or leaving a, quote, blooming sprig of fresh cannabis by your bedside, your blood might be protected from the nefarious thirst of mosquitoes. Now, why these notions don't sound encouraging for Count Drugula and his spawn, it's also worth noting that the Greek physician Galen wrote of the alleged blood-purifying properties of cannabis seeds. And that sounds like something of interest to the vampiric children of the night. The study of bat biology offers few answers, but it's worth considering that common vampire bats do not learn taste diversions. As explored by Ratcliffe et al. in a 2003 study in animal behavior, the bats did not seem to, quote, learn to associate a novel flavor with averse gastrointestinal events. In other words, they're not capable of associating the symptoms caused by a toxic, spoiled, or poisonous substance with a particular taste. On the other hand, they're certainly susceptible to some of the effects of various human drugs. But would these effects pass on through their blood to a parasitic consumer? Well, Randall Monroe explored a similar topic on the What If website and found that a human being would have to consume an absurd amount of human blood to become drunk on the blood's alcohol content. We can apply a similar line of thinking to other substances in the blood, but that need not dissuade Count Drugula. After all, 
he is clearly an immortal undead being, and perhaps he does consume the copious amounts of rockstone or blood required to attain this level of high. But our story does not end here. Perhaps Count Drugula would be interested to know that a stroke medication, dubbed Draculin, has been derived from the anticoagulant properties of vampire bat saliva. Arise, arise, Count Drugula, arise. Tune in for additional episodes of The Monster Fact each week, and periodically we'll bust out an omnibus episode to collect some related episodes of The Monster Fact or even The Artifact. As always, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today.